The Shiny Happy People documentary gave the world a glimpse into one of the most mysterious cults in America with an expose on the cult's first family, the Duggars. A record-breaking number of people all over the world tuned in to watch Prime Video's number one documentary series and learned how cult leader Bill Gothard manipulated and exploited countless victims with his dangerous fundamental teachings while cultivating an environment of predatory behavior. The IBLP cult steadily grew in power since it was founded in, I think, 1961, around that time, until the facade came crashing down when 34 women stepped forward to accuse Gothard of a laundry list of predatory behavior. While Gothard managed to avoid any legal consequences for his actions, his reputation was destroyed beyond repair, and he was forced to leave his own cult in absolute disgrace. This small, manipulative, narcissistic predator continued to deny any wrongdoing other than a statement he released, which said, and I'm quoting here, my actions of holding hands, hugs, and touching of feet or hair with young ladies crossed the boundaries of discretion and were wrong. They demonstrated a double standard and violated trust. Because of the claims about me, I do want to state that I have never kissed a, a girl, nor have I touched a girl immorally or with sexual intent. End quote. While some people continued to defend Gothard and IBLP, many more finally saw through the lies and abandoned the cult. Uh, but finding freedom outside of this cult can be a tricky, tricky thing. Uh, years of indoctrination, brainwashing, psychological manipulation are difficult to leave behind. Uh, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about uh, in this episode of Surviving the Shiny Happy People Cult. This is the final episode in the series, and I'm just going to warn y'all up front, uh, it is going to be a tough one. Uh, we're going to talk about some, some really difficult subjects, but we're also going to have fun with it. Uh, we also have a special segment with Brooke Arnold, one of the primary contributors to the Shiny Happy People documentary, about her meeting with Bill Gothard at his house. Uh, so we're going to be showing that a little bit later. But first, joining me is one of my oldest friends, a former cult member as well, and my partner in crime, Bryce. What's going on, man? How you doing? <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. I that. was waiting on that. <laughs> I was like, what's it going to be? That fart sounds? I don't know. <laughs> no, it was the very tepid applause. Oh, no, okay. uh, let's not do that. Now turn the Come page. Come on, Josh. <laughs> Dude, I was just talking about this the other day. When you hear the sound, turn the page. <laughs> it reminds me of that. The more you know. Oh, it's actually yeah. perfect uh, for this podcast. Yeah. Hey, six episodes. Yes, Prost. sir. We made it. We did. We did. It's uh, It's been a journey, man. Uh, you and I have both had a couple of emotional breakdowns over the course of this recording. Uh, but you know what's, First what's so many. cool? First of is, many. <laughs> right, That seems ominous. <laughs> what's so cool is, is the number of people that have reached out to us personally, uh, thanking us for, for sharing this message, relating to a lot of the content that we've talked about. Uh, and, and that's probably been the, the coolest part about this. Uh, I would say, um, you know, the YouTube comments are just, uh, I, I mean, some of it's just mind blowing. Yeah. What people went through, what they've recovered from, and they still uh, are sharing this message of hope. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's definitely been nice. Um, th the, the interesting thing, we never talked about this stuff, especially mm -mm. right after. Almost every homeschool person from the 90s, we didn't bring up school. 
Yeah. We, got, we got uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We, where are you from? Oh, I'm from I'm from uh, New Braunfels. Oh, I'm from New Braunfels Canyon or New or U- Unicorn or Cougar, and we're like, <laughs> what's the right answer? You know, you we, I was homeschooled. Yeah, <laughs> we we didn't want to get into it because people didn't understand it, and, right. and there this you know there's very specific stereotypes for homeschoolers. They're either completely clueless and not educated, or they're starting businesses at twelve. Yeah. And uh, I've known both. No, actually, I've only known the <laughs> business people. I, wait a minute. What does that make me? Anyway, um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, we didn't really talk about it. And now yeah. we've gone through all of this, and we're at this stage in our lives, and we're uh-huh. like, hey, this is what happened. Right. The, if you knew me tw- 20 years ago, 15 years ago, now you know why I was, so I was awkward the way I was. And uncomfortable and weird. I <laughs> mean, here's the other interesting thing that, that I was thinking about. You and I both knew a lot of people that were ex-members of this cult. Um, We didn't even really talk about it with them that much. It was kind of like this mm, unspoken thing. We're not really going to discuss it. Let's let's not address it. Let's just try to ignore and forget about it. Exactly. Uh, At least for the first few years. I think after the first few years, once we deprogrammed a little bit from being in this in this lifestyle in this cult. Then we were kind of comfortable talking about it. But I know, like, for me, the first three to four years, I really didn't discuss a whole lot about it at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so what we're going to be getting into for this episode is really what life is like now, um, how we got out and and where we are today. Uh, But before we get into the episode, I I did want to, uh, you know, let folks know tickets are, are live for the event that we're going to be doing in Austin, Texas, on July 26th, uh, we've already sold quite a few tickets. As a matter of fact, by the time this episode airs, it, it may already be sold out. I, I don't know, but but please check. And if there's still tickets left, grab them up. If there's not tickets and you and you really want to come out for this event, uh, just go ahead and, and shoot me a message, and, and I'll see what we can do. Uh, we'll be having uh, several guests at that live event uh, who are ex-members of the cult as well as some of the cast members from the Shiny Happy People documentary. And all ticket sales are going to uh, be donated to Recovering Grace, uh, once Excellent. again, to, to help continue the important work that they're doing, supporting victims uh, of not only IBLP, but multiple fundamental Christian organizations. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, the interesting thing is Gothard scandals really reduced the cult to a fraction of its former power and influence. Josh, can you pull up the picture of Gothard uh, when the cult was kind of at its height of power? And then the screen grab from the video we saw in the last episode out front of his house. You know, uh, he, he definitely looks a lot older. Uh, you can tell he's aged. Uh, but but quite honestly, he, he still looks pretty good for almost 90. I mean... Did we even talk about the fact that he'd been dyeing his hair for 50 years? <laughs> that seems like I mean, vanity I, to I've me. I've been reading... Yeah. No, no, no. So I've, I've been reading a lot of comments and things in some of the Facebook groups I'm in, and they're like, oh, yeah, he, you know, he, his bag fell over and, like, multiple boxes of hair dye fell out when he was in <laughs> Moscow and all this stuff. And if you were to ask him about it, he will tell you that it is because people have seen him in the uh, Institute videos for so long, yeah. and you know he wants to maintain that same look. It's for continuity. Some... Exactly. It's so people don't get distracted. This is so his hair color <laughs> doesn't distract from the important message that he's delivering. Right. Um, 
you know, the, his his cult was a sixty million dollar a year enterprise, and and we've talked about that uh, before. My cult's um, only twenty five thousand a year. Oh, wow, I know. I'm you, working. You on really it. need to step up your game. Maybe I do. Maybe dye your beard. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what are you trying to say? But um, <laughs> here here's the 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 thing that's crazy. And, and once again, we've talked about this as well. But IBLP is still active. Very active, and they are continuing to promote many of the same fundamental teachings and programs as when Gothard was still in power, right? Um, and and they they still have compounds all over the world, just uh, not as many, not they not can't as many, it. but they're in uh, obviously the United States. I know for a fact they have the big Sandy location and the Northwoods location still. Um, they have locations in Canada, South America, New Zealand, Taiwan, Australia, Romania, Hong Kong, South Korea. I mean. They are still prolific, and I think that's one of the things that's really concerning for me is there is still enough support or there are still enough people looking for answers that think they found the truth in these fundamental teachings, which is just not the case. I mean, if you think about it, it's like a curve because you know in the 70s and 80s, there were not that many, and then yep. it ramped up, 90s, mm-hmm. 2000s, and mm-hmm. it dropped off, and we're back to the same core people that right. are true believers. Mm-hmm. You know, well, like you said, Doctor Levandusky, he he leads the cult now. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. He I mean, he was one of those that he gave his testimony before. He came from a totally different background, mm-hmm. totally you know, and he was brought to Christ through the institute or through a seminar or through people associated, really, <laughs> or something of that nature. And so he, I, you know, his story is, is way different. It's like mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I get why he's like, you know, hey, this saved me. Yeah. So it can save other people. Sure. Whereas 90 plus person, like, I don't know. I can't tell you anybody else that was saved or brought to Christ by the Institute. Right, right. Because as we were discussing uh, earlier on the phone, if you had to live next door to cult <laughs> members, yeah. we're the ones you wanted to live next door Absolutely. to. Absolutely. We're not knocking on doors. Uh-huh. We don't let our children play with your children. Right. We, we'll, hey, we'll wave. We'll smile. We'll be like, I can't believe that they're wearing shorts that tight. <laughs> hey, Johnny. <laughs> we just silently judge. We won't. We won't talk about your 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 parents. If we like, your lawn looks great. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah, that, that's that's so true. And and you know when uh, when when my family was still in the cult, that's exactly how it was. Uh, we we very much isolated. We went to church. We had our small group of friends. Most of those friends were also in the cult. We did have one homeschool family that actually lived next door to us and uh you know we played together all the time and, and that sort of thing but it was also understood that well you know they can wear pants their their girls can wear pants but but we cannot and them wearing pants is immodest and uh and we don't do that sort of thing yeah if you ask us directly we will happily share beliefs at church oh sure we st- but we still we kept we didn't offer up Necessarily, we weren't necessarily evangelizing or proselytizing for the cult. No, that was the basic seminar. <laughs> however, however, I don't know about you, but I made all stars for Bible baseball. Oh wow! They wanted Bible me on, baseball. They wanted me. You didn't play Bible baseball. That's the Southern Baptist thing. It, it yeah, yeah. Oh, is this like uh? It basically, is this a sport? It's no. Oh, no, it's trivia. Oh, okay. With with chairs and <laughs> yes but you know you were a you were a trivia oh, champ dude i mean bible related, bible related yeah i could have gone pro probably <laughs> <laughs> i 
think my neighbor's a cult member. <laughs> you never know. No, I it, think I, I know I mean, now. That was the whole said. article that came out in Chicago Magazine was the cult next door. You never really know. Check in with them. I Check think my neighbor is a cult member.com. I there like we go. it. <laughs> <laughs> buy that domain, domain uh, immediately. Buy it. <laughs> so we talked in the last episode about how we got out of the cult and, and what that experience was like and the immediate culture shock that we experienced. After we got out is really when it started to get interesting for both of us. Because you and I went very different paths, right, in our recovery process, uh, as, as I like to call it. Um, deprogramming from the cult, essentially. And, and I feel like your experience and my experience and how different those two were is kind of like the, you could almost lump everyone that got out of this cult into one of those two categories. Very closely. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's some outliers. There, there are the people that knew what they wanted to do mm-hmm. most of their life, or they were went out and they started a business and successful, and mm-hmm. you know moved forward. You know, you went out when we lived together, and I was still struggling with trying to figure out exactly how much sinning I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, how would, evil am I going to be? You would bring that intimately into the apartment environment for yeah. me to experience witness uh-huh. and make you know educated decisions on here's what's going on out there bryce yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want it or not you remember that time with the door and the i don't know if i should tell that story <laughs> I, you there's, really there's, really i don't really to, know what story he's talking about he because really there are so many wanted me to drink with him and i really didn't want to drink i literally was holding <laughs> you back from coming in the room Oh, you were gonna take a sip of this brew. <laughs> well, then I just, I, yeah, it's a, it's fun. Well, because yeah, I, and and I think that's uh, that's probably something. Maybe a few folks have guessed it, but we we were roommates for how many years? A uh, total of two, three actually, two and a quarter. Okay, because you 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 stayed at the apartment in Braunfels. Yeah. Well, okay, you showed up occasionally. At, yeah. to, to like crash when on I the wasn't carpet. Bla- breaking into Schlitterbahn. Right, right. <laughs> Drinking in the fabric section of Walmart. <laughs> that happened. Uh, statute of limitations, Josh. They, right, they can't. Right. They, they can't. Did get you have your band there. at this time? Is that the? Uh, yeah, I had one of the bands at that time. Yeah. Or I was between bands at that point, as a matter of fact. I have, I have to say, drinking in the fabric section of Walmart sounds like the unknown verse to set, uh, small town. Saturday night, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or the the name of my next album. Uh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's that's when we started living together, and then we both moved into a place in San Antonio. Yep. Shortly thereafter, well, actually, not even shortly thereafter. Well, it was so a few years no, no, after. it was you left. Right. You went back home, mm-hmm. and we did our epic road trip. Oh, that road trip was crazy. We're not going to tell any details because it's. It's too good. Like if we were if we were to talk about that road trip, it would be an hour and a half podcast. It's gonna make a really good indie movie, maybe. Oh, it'll make a beautiful documentary. Uh, I just have to figure out who's not gonna a documentary. Star me in that. <laughs> not, not a documentary. Well, but yeah, it's easy. Seth, we Rogan drove all the me. way from from New Braunfels to uh, Connecticut. Yep, which is where my family was still living at the time. In that uh, sweet 1998 Infinity. Oh yeah. I think that thing was awesome, was it dude. Gold made a made a few pit stops. Oh my gosh! But yeah, so so then I was up in in New England for a few more years, right? And I had to go and I got a variety of different room, roomed with a guy from the mm-hmm. cult in his house, and I was, that wasn't working out for me. And mm-hmm. and then I roomed. Well, then I moved in with uh, the video videographer guy who was a, a 
you know, interesting yeah. person. And after six months, I called you. I was like, I, I need you to move back to Texas. You got to get down here, bro. You're the only person <laughs> I think it. that we can live together. <laughs> and to my surprise, you like, were, within a month, you flew down here to check out the situation. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, we had some good times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there as well. Some very interesting times. Yeah. And um, it wasn't that much longer. No, I think it was like, just a few months after that. Yeah. I mean, basically, when, when I got the call from Bryce, I'd been up in New England for maybe a couple years at that point, um, and I was ready to leave. And, and And I'll get into why I was so ready to leave uh, after we uh, after we talk a little bit more about Bryce's story, his his journey after getting out of the cult. Um, I did want to show some pictures, if that's okay oh. with you, Bryce. Uh, let's go ahead and see this first one, producer Josh. If you can put that on the screen real if quick. The women at the training center had seen this photo. <laughs> let me tell you, they would be like. Oh. It's going to make a lot of babies. <laughs> so wet. <laughs> oh. Now, this, this is at which training center? <clears throat> uh, okay. Uh, not. No, this is not at a training center. We had a, a special permission. Okay. My parents came up. It was um, maybe Thanksgiving. Yeah. And they picked my sister and I up, and then I brought my friend, and my sister brought a friend, and they took us to... Possum Kingdom Lake, where we had a oh, cabin nice. rented. Oh, two very bedroom cool. cabin. Uh-huh. So mom and dad in one room, girls in the other. Interesting <laughs> reference, real quick. Uh Possum Kingdom, believe is the name of a song by the Toadies. Yes, it is. Uh with some very problematic lyrics. But yeah, continue. Yeah. And and we slept in the living room. And um that was like a really nice little vacation. Excellent. So that's that's the only reason we're wearing. So this t-shirts. is vacay mode right here. The Veggie Tales T-shirts. Oh yeah, you're in you're in full chill mode right We've now. We've had eight Dr. Peppers. <laughs> we're just, is that maybe, all buzzed up some, on DPs? Is that candy. person still in the? No, uh, no, 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 no. No, oh, okay. no he's not. No. Uh, okay, so so this is this is right before you were about to get out, right? No, this was like in the middle or maybe towards the end towards of my end. time in Oklahoma City. I okay. still had my Australia. You still had the Australia. Th- okay. Okay. So this is this is maybe towards the end, but but not even quite there yet. Now I want to go to the next photo. This is <laughs> this is one of my favorite pictures of Bryce. Ladies, hold on to your hats. Okay. Look at this thing. Look at this guy. Whoa. Are you kidding me? That's a phenomenal picture. Uh, I love that so. photo, dude. I love it. I, yeah. Please tell us in the comments <laughs> you what you think of this picture of Bryce. <laughs> you know, whoa, weird, wow. Josh. All right, I'm going to need you to chill out over there. Uh, love this picture of Bryce. This is how long after you'd gotten out of the cult? This was 2009 or 10. Okay. So that's an easy seven, eight years yeah. beyond your separation from my BLP. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and then Josh, one more slide forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Look at that guy. Look at that with that T-shirt. No pain, all gain, baby. And uh, when when was this? Around the same time. About the same. So you just basically trimmed up off. the hair and grew the goatee. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. like two days. Josh, go back shaving. to the last no, slide real quick. <laughs> that okay? That that Bryce versus the next Bryce. Oh, Which wow. one? You know, this one's got to be. This one's got to be older. He's smoldering here, this right? One, you yeah. know what this is? This is probably right around when I discovered craft beer. 
because I'm okay. starting to put the weight on. Oh, okay. okay. And then the next one is is, is earlier is before I discovered craft beer. Well, okay. You, you know what this is? This what? is this is the second right before you're gonna sneeze, <laughs> and you're just your eyes are squinty and your nose picks up just a little bit. Both of those it's pictures perfect. were taken with yeah. a professional camera. That's his angle right yeah. there. I just want I, I want everyone to know. I if, guess very few people have straight on. If, angles if I was gonna say if I if I had to say. Smash and pass. Uh-huh. Smash for this uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. That's my Zoolander. And then I'm 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 not gonna say pass, but if I had to choose, this would be the pass. Okay. Smash for you here. Uh-huh. That's my blue steel. And then pass. Yeah. Oh that, yeah, very true. Derek Zoolander. Yeah. Blue, blue, I was trying to remember what it was called. <laughs> what is this? A camera for ants? This feels more like uh, clerks. You know what I mean? Oh like yeah. Yeah. are you yeah, kidding? You yeah. see that camera? They couldn't afford that camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They got lens. You're really upsetting Bryce right Good now, Lord. Josh. Um, okay, so you get out of the cult, um, and, and we know there's immediate culture shock. Yeah. What What was you know kind of your experience deprogramming, disentangling, whatever you want to call it? Uh, I got thrown in the. My parents were like, oh, "It's been a couple of weeks since you've been home. Mm. You need a job." Okay. And I was like, cool, I've done all this stuff that looks good on a resume, and I you know, put the resume together, and, and I couldn't get... Uh, granted, I'm in a small Texas town where if you want a good job, you have to wait for somebody to die, and then even then, their kid's going to get it. Right. Um, so I went to work at you know, a retail office store, okay. and I learned that they almost didn't hire me because they thought I was overqualified. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a very common problem uh, for, for homeschoolers. Is because we have such an incredible education, uh, and and we've worked in, in a lot of different no, fields. No documentation. No zero. So it's like zero credits. The resume yeah. looks great, uh-huh. but yeah, yeah. So I I worked. I ended up working in retail a total of like six years. Okay. Uh, I I managed. I became a manager of a department pretty quickly, um, and I grew my first facial hair because I just looked <laughs> like I was. You know, a baby. 18. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm 22. <laughs> uh, so I just, I, and I didn't have a trajectory. Mm. I wanted, I, I considered the military. Military is always a great option for homeschoolers, especially from the cult. We come pre broken. <laughs> we are not, we're not the ones going to get a squad in trouble. Drill sergeant's going to say, do that. And we're, it's like, we're halfway through doing it. They're going to be, and shot. we're happy to do it. Happy to do it. We come yeah. out, we're already promoted. You know, that's right. But my parents talked me out of that because I. They always talked about training up young leaders, training mm-hmm. up young leaders. What a colossal bag of horse crap lie! Mm. I was not a confident leader. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was unable to make decisions because I needed a seven-step process. Right. I got hang on. I got to check the rule book. Uh, am I in God's favor? Yep. That, I was about to say you have to you have to wait to hear from God because you don't through have, your parents. You don't have someone telling you Sorry, what I'm God's will is anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so when you go to make these decisions, it, it's almost like you're paralyzed. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. Or you overanalyze it that it's still oh, paralysis God. by analysis, right? Look, I am the I am the person that you want to take on a trip. Okay. Mm. I and I've even back in the day, yeah. I would be out with you at a bar and you know, your second or third hobby was was smoking. Sure. And you'd be standing there and be like, 
<laughs> and I'm like, and I'm looking at you because I'm methodical, and if I get into Always something, prepared. if I was a smoker, I would have a special case. I would have two or three very nice lighters right. that would be on my person. And if I, I mean, look at this guy, he comes with his own you, mug. Josh. Hold on, but what would what uh, people who smoke like that? What are you smoking? Okay. It did, no, no, no. You don't understand. <laughs> Cal, calm down. Or right, we'll get we'll get to that, Josh. Yeah, 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 it yeah. doesn't matter if, yeah, yeah. if if and if I got into it. So okay. I'll reveal something that I hadn't really thought about. I'm kind of glad that I didn't start drinking until 28. 28 was like big year for me. Okay. Um, because I already kind of appreciated. I had a decent palate. I appreciated well prepared foods. Granted, mm-hmm. eating at the training center will do that. Um, I appreciated well prepared foods. My mother was a great cook. My sister's a fantastic cook. My dad can cook. Every, all the men in my family know how to cook. Um, and I, I got to the point cause I loved Dr. Pepper. I would check the <laughs> box to see what bottling plant the Dr. Pepper yeah. came from because one tasted a little bit better than the other yep. based on the city water supply. Yeah. And I, I, then, I did know this about Bryce. Yeah, yeah. And then I proceeded to, I've had Dr. Pepper on three continents. England's Dr. Pepper is total garbage. <laughs> Australians is okay. Texas, of course, still the best. Obviously. Um, and it's like I already had that in me. Yeah. You know, I had Dr. Pepper, you know, things, mugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if I had gotten into alcohol earlier, I don't think it would have been a good thing. Yeah. You might have gone a little off the rails. I I, I think the potential was there. Bryce is a very responsible drinker. Here's the thing. And partially because of Davey. When I went through the, one of the lowest points of my life, which I would have to say would be my separation and divorce. Like it's uh-huh. just everything just collapsed. Right. And I was just at the bottom. I purposely did not drink. Mm-hmm. I said, life, I, I say this frequently to myself life is not a movie. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a drink if you're sad. You don't have to have a drink if you're celebrating. And I also didn't want that to be that thing that I sought mm-hmm. when I felt bad. Mm-hmm. And so I said, no, I'm not. If, if I'm feeling this bad, I'm going through therapy, I'm getting mm-hmm. help. Yep. And I just didn't drink. I might have had like a beer here and there. Right. But for the most part, I did not drink. Um, I turned to movies. Okay. Move. I've always loved movies. My sister and I have always loved movies. It was our escape. It was our way yeah. to see the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge appreciation of well-directed, well-acted, well-scripted movies, and of course, just the fun stuff as well. Yeah. So, so for Bryce, you know, the the path after after leaving the cult is is very common, where you don't have a sense of direction. You're not sure what you're supposed to do now because we spent so many years in this lifestyle, right, where we were told what to do. Uh, the plan was in place. We had direction. And now all of a sudden, we're thrown into the real world uh, and, and don't have the ability to make independent decisions. Yeah, that's the other thing. When when they take, when that's gone, when you really have to make decisions as an adult, mm-hmm. I hate the term adulting, it's like whatever. It's really hard if you've, you've gone all the way up to like 22 mm-hmm. And now I have to like oh, I gotta pay rent, electricity. I gotta right. feed myself. I, mm-hmm. I have to make dinner for myself every day. You yeah. know, 
can I just go work for free again? <laughs> right. And they just take care of me? To the cafeteria, the food's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's a big thing. But that's how people get stuck in that, that training center environment for so long, because it was easy. I mean, uh, not, not, it's not easy, it's familiar, it's, right. there's a pattern, there's a comfort, Right. this is what I know. Exactly. It's fear of the unknown. Correct, correct. Um, and, and so you had this experience getting out of the cult, trying to acclimate to normal life. Um, I, I just went out, I got a job, I slowly worked my way up. Mm-hmm. I'm in a company now I've been with for a long time, I'm in tech support, I'm, mm-hmm. I made it out of retail into tech support. <laughs> Big surprise, this yeah. look, right? Tech support. <laughs> and I'm doing, I I acknowledge, I'm doing pretty well for my upbringing and mm-hmm. education or right. lack thereof. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you had a really phenomenal education. I had an okay education, and then there was no direction and no pursuit of education past the high school level. Right. My parents right. did pay for a math tutor for the last two years. Well, there you go. Which is nice. So you knew algebra. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask me about it today. Okay. <laughs> but um, I I feel that I'm 10 to 15 years behind mm. career-wise. Mm-hmm. I, I feel mm-hmm. like where I'm at right now and, and, and what I'm doing with my life is where I should have been, you know, when I was 30-something. And the last three years has been me just like, I am going to focus on my career. It's very hard to focus on me. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to put me first. It's very mm-hmm. hard for me to do anything for myself if it's if it's a big thing. Mm. If I buy myself something that's like $300 or more, I feel a little guilty. Right. Because you internalized all of those principles about not being selfish, right? right? About sacrificing for others, about putting other people Ahead of yourself, right? Yeah. I, if I spent three hundred dollars on me, I could have spent a hundred dollars on me and a hundred dollars on my girlfriend, or, and yeah. saved a hundred dollars, right? That's what I should have done. Which I want to, I want to, you, you know, highlight that being a kind, caring, compassionate person is not a bad thing, right? But all of those principles in the cult were taken to an extreme, and it was taken to such an extreme that if you drifted outside of those lines at all, you wind up with this insane guilt complex. You were taught to always deflect praise. Mm -hmm. One of their biggest things, always deflect praise. If somebody praises you, Mm -hmm. you should, you know, oh, it's because my parents taught me this, or oh, my director gave me some excellent instruction. And so I didn't have, you you know what you don't get with that is confidence. Right, exactly. Like, well, I didn't do any of this myself. I'll never forget when, when we were at, my family was at that Knoxville annual conference that we've talked about in, in a previous episode. And my mom went and complimented this little boy uh, that was there with his family that did some sort of musical something, right? Uh, and she complimented him and, and told him what a great musician he was. And this little boy just kind of looks down at her, shakes his head, and, and points to, to the ceiling, right? Deflecting that yeah. praise. Um, and, and once again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but at the same time when you take it to those extremes that doesn't work in an interview correct oh you've done really well it's like yeah, yeah my last uh, manager and coworker, they were awesome oh well where are they i want to mm-hmm. talk to them yeah exactly all, all, all glory all glory I, I can't take credit for for any of the the things that i've accomplished right yeah um and, and so it's just it, it's that it, it's that uh, mentality of extremes uh that is very prevalent in, in fundamental religions, yes. right? Um, 
you know, so so you had your your path, Bryce, um, and I absolutely understand why you feel like you're behind and that sort of thing. But what you did manage to do was break away from a lot of the trauma that you experienced in the cult, right, and not create new trauma for yourself. Or others, hopefully. Or, or others, right. Uh, I mean, there were still absolutely difficult things that you went through, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, and, you know, going through that separation and divorce, uh, I, was, I was there with you, and, and it, was, it was brutal. It's, it sucks. It doesn't yeah. matter how amicable it is. Mm-hmm. It always sucks. And, yeah. and granted, mine was like, not that, again, like our experience, not that bad of mm-hmm. a separation with no children and almost no assets to even worry about. And, and uh, But it still affected but you. But it still affected me. It still affected you. Um, y- you know, so uh, absolutely that, that feeling of I'm behind. I'm not where I, I need to be. It is completely understandable because that's essentially what being in this isolated cult sets you up for. Yeah, you know, uh, it set all of us up for that. The, um, the good news is, I finally have focus in the goal. So if you're having an opening for a customer success manager, <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to get into that field. Reach out, reach He's out. Extremely qualified. I'm Bryce so is overqualified. Empathetic. Yeah, customers love me. <laughs> so my my journey after after getting out of the cult was was drastically different, right? Uh, Josh, can you can you go to the next slide? I think it's the next slide. Uh, yeah, pull that picture up again. I know this is producer Josh's favorite. You still need to um, print those out so you can this autograph is, them. Yeah, right. This is me uh, fresh out of the cult in pleated pants with my shirt tucked in so tightly, braided belt. I don't think – I think you'd need like a winch or something to get those pants up any higher, quite honestly. Um, so this is me fresh out of the cult. Now, when when I got out of the cult, we, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, um, and, and I talked about it a lot with uh, Shalice and Cults to Consciousness. I did not feel comfortable in my own skin. I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to interact with other people. Years of isolation had turned me into this incredibly socially awkward weirdo. Uh, I, I mean, that that is a socially awkward weirdo if, if I've ever seen one, right? Um, you know, so I, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, and I don't, I don't remember how I initially found alcohol uh but i do remember <laughs> was it in the store getting wasted for the first time uh no it was it was not in the store it was it was definitely from a friend i just don't remember he was which in the house party i was at hey david <laughs> 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 satan to me, right? yeah. um the, the first time i got drunk uh i felt i felt something that i hadn't felt before uh and that was comfortable I felt comfortable. I could talk to people. I could I could interact. Relaxed. I yeah, exactly, no dude. I just felt normal. Right? Uh and, and that was that was a huge moment for me. Uh because from there it was kind of like, okay, well, if this makes me feel normal, I'm gonna do this all the time. And and that's exactly what I did. I, I started uh drinking heavily. Uh, that's that's definitely where it started. Alcohol was always my first love, um, and pretty quickly uh, I got into some some pretty serious substance abuse. Um, I, I'll say for the first you know three maybe four years uh, of of my addiction, um, I would say the the substance abuse was uh, still fairly recreational. 
I, I wasn't going crazy with it, but I, I was doing, I, I mean, really serious drugs. Uh, I, I wasn't one of these guys that started out with the, the traditional gateway stuff, right? I just went straight into the hard stuff. Um, but I would say, you know, first three or four years, it was fairly manageable, fairly recreational, but the drinking was always there. And, and, and that's what I did a lot of. And, and you saw a, a portion of the drinking for sure. The uh, drinking. Yes. And, and I remember like the last time we were roommates and, mm-hmm. and we would go out and, and I would see you. And I remember like, I was fine. Now that I was drinking, I was like, I think maybe it's too much. I was I was worried, but mm-hmm. not overly worried because I still didn't know what full blown alcoholism and being drunk all the time looked like. And and I was functioning, right? I mean, oh my I, gosh. I, I had a job. You were one of the most high functioning. You could run this country, alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I held down a job. Yeah, uh, I was pretty successful in my job. Yeah. Um, you got certifications. Yeah, uh, while, while drunk. wasted. Yeah, while wasted. Right. Uh, like difficult financial. Certifications. I would go down to the pool on a Sunday. Yeah, and you would have a book that thick. Yeah, with all of the stuff that if I tried to read, I would fall asleep in ten minutes. You were asleep. <laughs> you know, you went down there and you were studying, but when I found yeah. you, it was drool and yeah, passed, passed out. out. The yeah. beers knocked over. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, al- alcohol was 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 definitely the initial problem for me, um, and, and I would say that that part escalated pretty quickly, um, where I was just drinking all the time. It's very accessible. Uh, yeah, it's it's easy to get your hands on, and I, I mean, I, I remember at, at one point, you know, my my. My drinking had gotten to the point where it was becoming a pretty expensive habit. And so I was like, you know what I can do? I can just drink 151 in orange juice. Oh, my God. And three of those will get me schmammered. Uh, and so I, I did that for a while. of the drinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. three of the drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so that, 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 that got out of control pretty quickly. And that was why I st- still lived uh, with, with you and Aaron uh, at that point. I, yeah, I remember you being, coming over and being pretty drunk. Yeah, pretty, pretty schmammered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I, I may then, not have realized that you were drunk, but I'm like, wow, he's <laughs> he seems happy. Uh, <laughs> this guy is real talking. Lying down on the floor alive. <laughs> but uh, th- then we took that road trip. Yeah. Right. We we drove from New Braunfels up to Connecticut, uh, yeah. where my family was living at the time. Um, we we said our goodbyes, and you flew back down to Texas, and yep. and there I was in in New England, um, still feeling you know pretty lost. Just, just like you described, what, what am I supposed to do now? What do I do? Um, and, and fortunately, I was able to, you know, hold down some pretty good jobs. Uh, but, but really, in uh, in New England is where the substance abuse started to escalate uh, badly. Uh, I was working in the financial industry, and there's, you, you know, a, a couple a couple of drugs that are very popular in the financial industry, and it's kind of an accepted thing. Um, and, and so that's what I was doing. I, I was doing a lot of it, um, and, and it got out of control fast, really, really fast. Um, and you know, when you called me, cause I'd only been there for what, like two years at that point, something like that, maybe three, you called me, um, and said, Hey, do you want to move back down to Texas? And, and I was already at the point where I knew I've, I've got to get out of here. I've By got the way, to get out of here. What a weird thought. I'm just going to call my friend who yeah. moved back to across the country <laughs> with his family and be like, Hey, do you want to come leave all that and come be my roommate, please? I yeah. don't know anybody else. If if there's if there's destiny, if if there's a higher power, if there's a universe, 
That's absolutely Dude, that, what it is, right? That was an that, amazing that, crossroads. That's what it was. You were on the plane within weeks. You were like, just, yeah. you flew down and like, oh, look around. Looks whatever. good. Yeah, <laughs> I like, like it. Like San Antonio, <laughs> we have Taco Cabana, <laughs> Mama Margie's, Mama, Mama, no, no, Chachos, 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 Mike. Yeah, oh, so you're still drinking. Oh, very much. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever had chachos nachos Heavily. and not been drinking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. You can't eat that stuff. It's over. It takes yeah. two people uh, to bring it out, man. <laughs> so, you know, what I what I, I really haven't talked about um, at all um, is that when, when I left New England, I was, I, I was in some trouble, um, and I needed to get away from it. it. It wasn't just that my substance abuse was out of control. It was that I was, I was in trouble, uh, and I needed to get away from some people. Um, and so I, uh, I came down uh, to Texas, came to San Antonio, and I thought, I'm, I'm in a new place. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit with the substance abuse. I'm going to keep drinking, but I'm going to stop with the substance abuse because that's just getting me nowhere, right? And that lasted maybe a week uh, <laughs> before I was right back on. And you know what? I even had a moment when I was driving down from New England to San Antonio. I had, uh, I had procured a, a large baggie of a white powdery substance, mm. very large baggie. I'm talking like, I think it was either a quarter ounce or a half ounce. Like this is a federal um, crime. Yeah, because definitely, we, definitely. There's and no way you're using this. <laughs> you're selling it for like, sure. No, but I also had a full bottle of vodka, and all of it was gone by the time I hit Virginia. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> what? It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. No, uh, no, I I drove him and a friend, uh, his friend, to Sixth uh, Street one. Was it like Halloween or I we, we I drove him to Sixth Street. I'm like, we got on the highway and I hear, I'm like, huh, huh. I'm fr- I'm driving, so I'm starting to freak out. I'm like, huh. of course, you know, it's just Brody's, another baby. another regular another night, Friday baby, night, baby. another Friday night. <laughs> yep, and that was a fun little story too. Oh yeah, we've got all kinds of stories, man. Um, so anyway, I I I make it down to San Antonio. I've I've sworn off, uh, I've sworn off the substance abuse. I'm still gonna keep drinking. That. That lasted a week. That my, my resolve could not hold out, and, and I ended up right back on on the substances, right? Um, and that continued for years. Uh, I mean, years uh, until uh, until I I finally got sober. Um, well, and- I I've been I tell you this like every once a year, and and I I feel unneeded guilt. According, you know, I feel guilty that I didn't notice. What was happening to you? And I know that there's several reasons that I didn't know. We 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 kind of were out of touch. You were deep in with the substance abuse. Mm-hmm. I was in a fun little marriage. Mm-hmm. And when I found out, you know, the things that you told me, I was just it it upset me. It still mm-hmm. upsets me that I wasn't there. Yeah, but you were. But you were being that friend, that sounding board that I always knew I could call, that I always knew I could go visit if if something was going sideways, and I did. You did. I, you I, stayed I did on the multiple couch. Times. Yeah, a couple <laughs> different times, right? So I want to I want to go through some of these these pictures, Josh, because I, I feel like it kind of illustrates what I'm talking about here. So, okay, so this picture right here <laughs> wow. is is right. This is right when the. Uh, the, the substance abuse was getting really bad. Does this guy need right? insurance? He might. He might, dude. He needs something. Uh, he needs a, a, a better-fitting T-shirt is what he needs. <laughs> oh, that is nonsense. That is nonsense. You would put a shirt on and be like, no. Tighter, baby. Let's yeah. go tighter. I want to uh, be able to see my nipples in the heat. <laughs> so so that that I would say is, is, is right around when the substance abuse was, was really, really bad, right? Go to the next slide, Josh. 
This is after I had moved uh, back down to Texas. Uh, this is probably a couple years after I'd moved to San Antonio. Um, Honestly, with that hair, you're, you look like you're about to join WWF. You're oh, yeah. Like, I'm in training. Oh, I, I absolutely could. You didn't have any tats. If I'd been... No, that's no, uh-huh. fine. No, I didn't get... I didn't really get tattooed until after I got sober. Not not extensively. Um, I had some tattoos, but but not a lot. Parents were already disappointed. Why... Why, why wait any longer? I was spending all my money on substances and booze. Uh, I didn't, suddenly I he was afford. flush with cash. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> uh, so, so this, you know, this picture, I'm, I'm still doing okay. I'm holding it together, right? Go to the the next one. Uh, this, it's, it's, it's getting worse. Like I'm, I'm getting close to the end in, in this picture. You can tell he's drinking like a Budweiser. <laughs> yeah. I will never touch. You can that. also just tell from my face. I mean, I look rough. You look right older there. there. I look. Yeah, he I looked, also. I mean, go he back left to the, the previous house, slide. He left the house thinking a kerchief was a good idea. Listen, yeah. that was a style at the time. Wow, okay. was I, it? Everybody, call, I was at a music festival. You guys. upped a lot of. Come is on. your shell necklace under that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure, but the puka shell. Yeah, necklace? yeah, it's right. Actually, it's no. Uh, I never got another puka shell after my parents made me throw the one away. Oh, yeah, I had uh, I had PTSD associated <laughs> with the puka shells. Uh, this, yeah. So, so, so this was at a music festival, but those two pictures. Josh, they're yeah. they're really I, I think they're maybe like two years apart, but I look like I've aged like five. Yeah. From one picture to the and next. You got two wristbands on your forearms. Oh yeah. yeah. He well, was those really, really uh, into yeah, American Gladiator reruns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh oh this, my, this wow. last picture, are you showing this? Yeah. Josh? This last pic this last picture is, is right at the end. This is this is right at the end. Um, There's your dealer. I uh, <laughs> no, that was just some random dude that uh, perfectly photobombed. Um, th- I think this was this was actually just uh, a, a, a couple months before I, I finally got sober. Um, you know, and this was this I was at my rock bottom here. Um, so I'm I'm gonna kind of explain what led up to uh, the decision uh, that I finally made that that I had to make a change. Um, are are you showing no, this this next one? Okay, go ahead and show show this this next slide. So is that cornrows? No, no, no. I just have it pulled back in a half ponytail. Oh, I thought you had yeah, cornrows. It's, it's it's fine. I, I'm not. I wasn't culturally culturally appropriating. Um, okay, still so time. this is me and uh, and my ex fiance. Uh, we met when I was pretty bad in my addiction, right? Um, and when we started dating. Um, that's when things really just completely spiraled out of control. Uh, that's this. This is when it got bad. This picture right here is the beginning of the end for me. When right? you were a Colombian, okay. <laughs> say hello to my little friend. <laughs> I am. I am pretty pretty tanned there. You're well, pretty, you know, yeah. Bryce already talked about. I would you know pass out drunk at the pool. This yeah. that's how I, that's how I got all my color. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I I don't tan. I, you I just, just burn, just baby. Crispy Irish skin. So, so this girl and I dated for, uh, you know, a cumulative total of about four years, and, and we were engaged for about six months. Um, this was, this was the, the woman that I thought was going to save me um, from the, the hell that I was living in when I met her. Um, and it turns out that we were just, we, we made each other's lives even worse because when I met her, I did not realize, but she was also an addict. Um, and so we get together and she reveals to me after several months of dating that, that she has a problem. I tell her, you know what? I've got a problem too. Great. Uh, let's combine forces. (laughs) Um, and so we just, we, we just got, I mean, completely out of control 
Um, it was, it, it was a nightmare. Like we were living in a waking nightmare. Um, and, and that, that lasted for like four years and, you know, just got deeper and deeper and deeper into this hole of addiction. That was four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. It was four years, dude. Um, y- y- you know, th- this relationship was incredibly toxic, um, not healthy for, for either one of us. And so naturally, um, I proposed <laughs> when I realized, wow, this relationship might unalive me. It's like, well, I, I guess I better ask her to marry me. Uh, and so we got engaged. Um, I hoped that that would change things for both of us. Like, oh, we're buying a house. We're getting married. We, we got to get our act together here. Uh, but it didn't uh, because addiction, addiction doesn't care where you're at in your life. Addiction doesn't care who you love. Addiction doesn't care about anything. All it cares about is keeping you addicted. That's it. Um, and, and so nothing changed. In fact, things got even worse. Um, right up until the point where um, she ended up having uh, to go to a rehabilitation facility. Um, you know, we, we'd, we'd planned this wedding. We'd picked out the venue. About 30 days before we were actually supposed to get married, uh, I realized that I had to call it off because at that point it was just so incredibly toxic. Uh, we'd, we'd both gone through some really serious medical issues because of our addictions. Um, it, was, it was just this constant battle between us trying to convince the other person, you've got to get help. You've got to get help. And I didn't know what else to do. And so I just called this wedding off 30 days before it was supposed to happen. People still showed up to the venue. Oh, my gosh. The day it was supposed to happen. Somebody else's wedding? No, just no one there. Because we'd reserved the space, dude. We'd sent out the invitations. Uh, We'd gotten wedding presents (laughs) that we kept. Um, And pond, potentially. Uh, But, I I mean, my my point being here... It was it, it was just absolute chaos. It was chaos, um, and so, you know, um, she ended up going to rehab. But right before she went to rehab, one of the most profound things in my life happened, um, and that is that uh, my my grandfather uh, took his own life, um, and, and that was uh, that that just absolutely ripped me and my family apart. Um, not, not ripped us apart. Like we were at odds at that point, but just shattered, broken. Um, and, uh, that was, that was in February of, of 2013 in April of 2013 is when, uh, my fiance went to rehab. I took her to rehab, uh, dropped her off at this facility, beautiful facility, got a tour. Lady drove me around in a golf cart, gave me the, the, the whole shebang, right? I was completely wasted uh, for the entire thing. I dropped my fiance, who I had finally convinced to get help. I dropped her off completely loaded, which is just insane, right? But that's, that's how bad it had become at that that's point. That's your norm. That's the only way I could cope, Yeah, you know? Um, and at this point, I wasn't abusing substances or, or drinking uh, to, to, to feel better. I was doing it. So I didn't feel bad. I did. I, I didn't want to get sick. I didn't want to oh, yeah, die. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so it wasn't a matter of, you know, getting that rush anymore. It was just, I don't want to feel sick. Um, so, you know, drop her off at this facility about 
and then after I dropped her off, I just went on a crazy bender. Um, I, I don't really remember. Apparently, at some point, I drove back out to this facility while she was there to drop off some essentials that she needed. Have no recollection of it whatsoever because I was just, I was down the rabbit hole at this point, dealing with grief from the death of my family, dealing with, you know, all the emotions about having to cancel this wedding, dealing with my fiance is in rehab right now. Um, and so the, these, these, uh, these substances, this alcohol became, uh, this, this blanket for me, my safe space. That's all I knew how to do to cope, uh, with difficulty, challenging situations. It was just, let's numb the pain. Let's just get rid of all the feelings and emotions. Right. So she's, uh, she's in this rehabilitation facility. I get a call a few days later that she is being kicked out of the rehab facility uh, because she had brought, uh, she had smuggled substances in with her. Um, so now she has to go. Um, I tried getting in contact with her. She wouldn't answer my calls, wouldn't respond. And so I decided I'm gonna go find her. So I drive out to the little town where she's going to rehab to find her, actually did find her, which is crazy, right? crazy that I was able to track her down. I still don't know how. I just remember seeing her truck drive by and I was like, that's her. Um, but here's the thing. Before I went looking for her, I decided I got to get everything out of my system. I can't be doing any substances. I can't be drinking at all. I got to have all my faculties about me when I go and look for her. So I find her um, and she tells me, you got to leave me alone. You got to forget about me. You have to leave, which blew my world apart. Right, because here was this person that I had pinned everything on. This was my hope. This was my saving grace. Right. This was going to be it for me. And she's telling me you got to go. Um, so I did, and I I drove back to uh, to my house that we shared together alone. Pull into my driveway and have a seizure in my driveway, because at that point I had been a little over twenty four hours off of all the chemicals that my body was used to. Um, so had a seizure in my drive. I mean, thank God I didn't have this thing on the road. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think my body just knew, okay, we're back. Shut down. We, we got to, you know, so, um, I wake up from the seizure, just kind of just covered in, in your car. Mm -hmm, yeah. In my car, in my driveway. Yeah. Um, my, my whole body is sore. I'm extremely disoriented. I don't really know what's going on. I've got like, vomit all over myself, vomit on his sweater, mom's spaghetti or whatever. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, all, all kidding aside, like I was, I was a mess. Right? That's the spaghetti I made your family <laughs> for your grandfather's funeral. Cause why I would you did, do that? I did do that. Yeah. Yeah. You did. I mean, Bryce is an amazing friend. Um, so anyway, I, I get out of my car, I go inside and I have made the decision at this point, nothing is worth it anymore. I'm done. I, I got to get out of here. I got to, I got to end it, right? And so that was uh, that was what I intended to do. And I walked into my bathroom with a fist full of pills and and was ready to to take off. Um, but at that moment, I remembered what my mother had gone through uh, with my grandfather and decided I cannot put her through that again. I can't do it. Um, and I decided instead to make a phone call. And I made a phone call to the rehab facility that my ex-fiance had gotten kicked out of and said, hey, is there like some sort of, is there anything that I can do to help her? I still deflected back to her, like I gotta help her, right? 
Um, and they said, well, you know what? There's a, there's a family support meeting that you can go to. Um, uh, and maybe they can, they can help you out with how to help your, your fiance. Right. So I end up at this, this family support meeting, uh, which turned out to be a different kind of meeting for alcoholics. Right. Uh, I show up at this thing, realize immediately what it was. Uh, and my instant reaction was, okay, I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm definitely not supposed to be at this place. Right. Um, but there was someone there that actually knew me from work. Oddly enough, crazy, wow. right? Yeah, that approached me and said, "I know you. You should stay." Like, All right. Well, I guess I'll stay. She was pretty hot, so I was like, "You know what? My fiance <laughs> just like, broke up with I me." I know you. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen your photo ID, and wow, you should be here. You need to be here. Yeah. So I uh, I ended up staying for this meeting, and it just so happened that that night there was a a guest speaker at the meeting. Uh, and this guest speaker was a lady that spoke very eloquently about the disease of addiction and alcoholism um, and gave me a lot of hope. So I decided to talk to her after this meeting. But once again, I went to her deflecting, telling her, hey, I think you might be able to help my fiance. I think that you've got this powerful message. She could relate to you. You, you understand where she's coming from. You're a woman. I think you could, you could help her out. Can I, can I give you... Uh, or can you give me your number so I can give it to her? And she said, well, you can give her my number and she can call me if she, if she wants help. I was like, oh, okay, well, by the way, my name's Davey. And she goes, oh yeah, no, I, I know, I know who you are. And I was absolutely floored. I was like, what do you mean? You know who I am? And she was like, oh, well you dropped her off at the rehab facility that I work at. I took you for a tour around this facility in a golf cart. When you called asking for help, you talked to me on the phone I mean, dude, I, I, I was blown away, dude, and I immediately just broke down. I, I broke down sobbing, uh, and I'm emotional just, like, remembering it. Every time I tell this story, man, it's just, it just hits so hard how we don't think we're where we're supposed to be, right? Whether it's in the disease of addiction or maybe we feel a few years behind on our career or whatever it is, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. So anyway... Um, she, she was tremendously helpful uh, for me uh, because that just solidified, I, I, gotta, I gotta make a change, right? So I, I stuck with this program. Um, the first three months were hell. It, it was hell. Um, I, I couldn't talk right. I had a stutter for the first three months of sobriety because my brain was like rewiring or whatever was going on. My memory was shot for a, a while. My memory's still not what it used to be. Um, these giant blank spaces uh, in my childhood, in my adolescence, even in my adult life. Um, but, uh, you know, after, after some of that initial uh, struggle, I did the work. I was brutally honest uh, with the people who were trying to help me. Um, and, and all the therapists that I'd gone to previously, I, I remember so vividly, I went to a therapist and bless her heart, dude, I walk in there. I am a mess. I'm high out of my mind going into this therapist's office and I just, I needed help. And so I just spill my guts to this therapist, all my, my entire story. And at the end of this 30 minute spiel, she just sits back and says, I can't help you. And I walked out of there just thinking I had no hope. Um, and so when I got to this program and found a group of people that were able to help me, bro, it was the most freeing 
liberating, happy experience I've ever had in my life. And that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. I think what, what I'm saying here is I, I got out of this cult and all this, all this trauma uh, that I just didn't know how to deal with. And I ended up in a lifestyle that traumatized me as much, if not more. Um, but I got out of the cult. That's the thing. I got out of that cult, got into a lifestyle that, that was extremely destructive and unhealthy, but I got out of that too. Um, and the, the life that I have now, oh my God, it's amazing. Um, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, financial success or having the job that I want to have or, or, or anything like that. I mean, it's crazy that I get to do stand-up comedy. It's crazy that I get to do these, these podcasts. It's amazing that I get to help other people who have come from, you know, similar backgrounds, experience similar challenges. But I'm just talking about feeling happy, feeling peaceful, feeling free. And, and knowing that those aren't just feelings, that is my reality now. My reality is this place of happiness and freedom. Um, after years, years of indoctrination, brainwashing, and then self-destruction and self-sabotage, finally, I've gotten to this place now uh, that is, I, if, if you had told me, if you told me 10 years ago this is what your life is going to look like. I would have called you a liar. There's no way. There's no way that that's going to be me in 10 years. No, impossible. If you had told me 20 years ago, this is what you're about to go through. You're fresh out of this cult. Now you're about to go through your person, your own personal hell. I would have been like, no, no, that's not what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm, I'm out of the cult. Now I can finally have a real life. I wouldn't have believed that either. Uh, and I'm sure if someone told me today, hey, 10 years from now, here's where you're going to be. It would still seem just as unbelievable. But here I am, dude. And it is, I, I, I am just so incredibly grateful for the experiences that I've been through and the place that I'm at now. Because in spite of how traumatic it all truly was, it does not define who I am today. It did not determine my outcome. Um, and that is, uh, I, I just, I, I, I don't even know how to express, I can't put into words how truly grateful I am for all that. It's just crazy, man. Um, so yeah, I think um, if, if this is something that, if you're watching this and, and you're struggling with, with the, these types of challenges, these types of trauma, get, get the help that you need. Reach out to Recovering Grace. Uh, I mean, they've got, they've got support systems in place. They can, they can point you in the right direction. Message me. I, I'm more than happy to, to help however I can. Um, comment in the YouTube. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to get in touch with you. Um, you know, but uh, where we are today is so far removed from where we were. And it's just incredible, dude. Um, I, I've got. I I, I, I want to play the 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 segment from from Brooke Arnold about uh, meeting Bill Gothard. But but before I do that, I want to read a, a text message that I got 
like five minutes before we started recording this episode. Before you do that, I just want to say this is the most complete story I've gotten. Because mm. I've had, you've just told me bits and pieces, bits and pieces. And I see now why. It's hard. It's hard, it's tough, hard story. Mm. And five years ago, if you'd said, oh, I'm going to do stand-up comedy, I'd be like, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's <laughs> see how it plays out. Um, but... <clears throat> We have all, I, you've always been funny, and especially when we're together. We, we, we always have a good time. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. It's crazy where you are, where I am, but mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, you're like my, one of my oldest friends. Yeah. So yeah. we're, we're in this together. That's right. Regardless. That's why we decided to do this, this podcast series together because no one's going to understand where the other person's been and where we are now more. Yeah. Not, not even my own family is, is could, could, could get it like you do. Oh, it's, um, it's, they don't. Yeah. Um, so this text message I got about five minutes before we started this podcast, which is just Insane. crazy. I mean, we live in a simulation producer, Josh. I know you already know that. Don't yeah. please do not go off on a tangent about it. I don't. Thank it's you. It's one of the simulations. Okay. <laughs> I knew, I knew you'd have to say something. Save point 28, please. Save point 28. So this this text message is from a really good buddy of mine uh, that I've known for quite a long time. He's He he knew me while I was still deep into my addiction, and, and we've uh, maintained our friendship after the fact as well. Not nearly as long as Bryce, but at any rate, um, he, I guess, was, was watching some of the early podcast episodes uh, of this series. Uh, And he sent me this text message, which is so interesting to me. So he says, in 1984, Bill Gothard came to the quasi-cult my family was involved in in Hawaii and did a week or so of classes and sermons. I was nine years old. At one of those services, they let people come forward so that he could pray over them, so that Gothard could, you know, lay hands, pray, whatever. Uh, His parents brought him up front. Gothard put his hands on my forehead muttered a bunch of stuff, then looked at my parents and said, I have a word of knowledge. Your son will be a great man of God, but he will die before he is 30. <laughs> this guy told a nine-year-old that he was going to die before he was 30. This I'm, is still this is still his text, right? I want to I know what his parents thought. How they reacted? I'm sure it was just like, oh, oh it's, they, it's they Mr. Heard, Gothard. They just heard right? the first part. Man yeah. of God. Uh-huh. So he goes on to say, I spent the next four to five years trying to live up to that expectation, which is so, I I mean, that's so common, is just these unrealistic, unattainable expectations in this cult, right? No matter how hard I prayed, I never felt what people said I should. It was horrific. Needless to say, once I broke free from out of that whole scene by enlisting in the military, I did not become a great man of God. In fact, quite the opposite. Here's the crazy thing, though, and this is what just floored me from his text message. You know my background. June 1st, 2005 is my alive day from Afghanistan. Okay, so this is when he was severely, severely injured uh, while he was deployed uh, fighting in Afghanistan. So June 1st, 2005 is his alive day. My 30th birthday was July 18th. 2005, just six weeks later. I woke up for the first time a week or so after being wounded, and my first question was, what's today's date? I still had to sweat it out for almost a month. I sometimes think, did not becoming a great man of God save my life that day? 
Was that a prerequisite to fulfilling that half of the prophecy? How crazy is that? But I mean, once again, it was so deeply ingrained in him as a, as a nine-year-old, and he was in this cult in Hawaii for another four to five years. It was so deeply embedded in his system that it's the first thing he thought of when he woke up a week after he was almost mortally wounded. I mean, That's it's crazy. just, it's wild, right? Uh, well, just was, blows me Gothard away. was kind of right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's when his wow. second life started. Alma, okay. Uh, well, yeah. so it doesn't mean you're going to die physically. It can mean you're going to die spiritually. It, that could be. I'm a could, little. Could I'm a little distracted by the fact that Gother didn't open a training center in Hawaii. That would have been awesome. Oh, I would have gone to work there. <sighs> Imagine surfing on the North Shore. Actually, we wouldn't have been allowed to surf because Dude, there were too many. You would have snuck off and disappeared <laughs> into the beach life, never to be seen again. Right? Uh, you would be selling tacos right now and be like, I gotta go. I to still surf. have the puka shell necklace, dude. You said definitely would have had a puka shell necklace in Hawaii, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. You have to. It's You'd kind be of like, selling. It's like a thing. You'd yeah. be making <laughs> them and selling hand them. hand engraved puka shell necklaces. Absolutely. Drunk as uh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any? Is anybody selling puka shell necklaces you know, not drunk? What's really interesting is when I, uh, I, I I did spend an extended amount of time in Hawaii, um, and one day when I was at the beach, there's a huge substance problem in Hawaii, mm -hmm. um, and let's just call it uh, ice mm -hmm. is is kind of like a big problem over there, and I will never forget, I was walking down the beach, and I had a cigarette, and a guy walked up to me, and he was like, man, I really need a cigarette. I'll trade you this which was a glass pipe yeah. for that cigarette. And I was like, done. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then I stayed up for Say less. 24 hours. <laughs> Say less, my friend. <laughs> so I want to play this segment from Brooke Arnold. Uh, and, and, and once again, this is, uh, this is a short clip from a longer interview uh, that Brooke and I had. Uh, Brooke was one of the primary contributors on the Shiny Happy People documentary. Um, and I would almost say that she might be like one of the foremost experts on Bill Gothard specifically. I mean, the amount of research that this lady has done on Bill Go Bill Gothard um, is wild. I mean, she knows all about this guy. So it's a really interesting interview. That'll be available uh, tomorrow at 8 p.m. Um, and I'm actually hoping that uh, Brooke Arnold may be able to, to make it out for the live event in Austin. Uh, are we ready to play this this segment? Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead, Josh. You know, he still lives in the house that he was born in. So he's lived mm -hmm. in that house for 90 years. And the house has this very kind of mausoleum feel. You know, you walk in and you feel like you're, you know, walking into a museum from a previous time. And I think the thing that really got me that day was we were sitting there talking and I was talking to Mr. Gothard, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> and I looked down, he was wearing a full suit and I looked down and he had like a little, a little bit of coffee stain on his tie. Oh. And I just, in that second thought, you know, why would God ever spill coffee on his tie? <laughs> And there was just that moment in which it all, all of my imagination that was wrapped up in him kind of just instantly unraveled. And I realized this is a man, yeah. this is a person 
there's nothing different between this person and any other person and this I, this person's ideas aren't any more important or real than anyone else's ideas and seeing him in the flesh as a human being for the first time i think drastically changed the hold that he had come to have over me mm. first from growing up around this stuff or in this stuff and then as an adult kind of reimmersing myself in that world through that research you know he got his tentacles kind of in mm -hmm. even deeper mm -hmm. and that experience of seeing him as a actual just as a flawed human being who can spill spill coffee on their clothes uh you know it was kind of like that moment where in the wizard of oz where dorothy pulls back the curtain and you know she sees the wizard behind with a little switch you know he's standing there behind the curtain with the switches you know right right yeah it was kind of like that moment this is just a person they don't need to have any power over me anymore wow yeah so this this interview her insight into gothard into iblp is is just incredible so like i said the full interview will be available tomorrow at 8 p.m um, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, and, and I, I just can't thank Brooke enough for, for sharing her experience, uh, in this interview. I, it's, um, it, it's really, really interesting. And she's actually, I don't know if you could tell, uh, from that, that video, Bryce, but she's currently living the van life and she's traveling around really? the country. Yep. I mean, I can tell she was in a car. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's a van lifer. Okay. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So she, I'm hoping we talked about it, and it seems pretty possible that uh, she will be in Austin for the live event on July 26th, uh, and she'll be able to, to participate in that live episode or live show, whatever you want to call it, and do uh, some of the audience Q&A with us as well. Nice. So, I, yeah, by the excited. way, I want to believe that Bill Gothard has a a onesie pajamas that looks like a suit and the tie is a zipper. <laughs> I want to believe that. <laughs> and the, the feet are just... Just Oxford dress Oxford shoes. Dress yeah, shoes. absolutely, dude. That's yeah. uh, all he ever wears. Cufflinks on the pajamas. No, 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 no cufflinks. That's no, that's too flashy. Bad. That's yeah, way yeah. too flashy for him. Um, man, this has been just an incredible experience uh, doing this podcast series. Um, you know, I, I know it's been difficult at times. Um, it, it's it, it's it's a it's a tough subject to talk about, uh, especially when you start unlocking some of the. The memories and and the trauma that you buried for so long uh but at the same time it feels really good uh being able to reach people that have struggled with with this same thing they battled the same demons and you know dr cordish and i talked about it too when recovering grace hit the internet in 2011 and people started discovering holy shit, we're not alone there's there's more of us this wasn't just me I wasn't the crazy one. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just so glad that we can, um, that we can provide that sense of, of relief and, and hope for people. And, and before I forget, um, I wanted to share, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know how long I was out when this happened. It was maybe eight to 10 years. And I was at a, at a birthday party and, and there was a, Mixture of homeschool people there. When I say they were mostly homeschooled, and some were in the institute, and some were not. And there was a girl at the table, and she said something. She said, "I don't, know, I don't understand why people don't just, just move on, mm. just move on." Mm -hmm. And it hit me like 
like a thunderbolt because ironically or or whatever you want to call it when we were done with the institute in our head we're like i'm moving on Mm -hmm. it's it's behind me Mm -hmm. this is absolutely behind me i am Mm -hmm. totally moving on and then when she said that and i didn't say anything but i got upset Mm -hmm. i was like wait a minute we can't just move on. This was this was life. Yes. This was life 24-7 yes. for years and years and years. It was ingrained in us. It was and, beat into us yeah, at times. And and I I'm like telling anybody to just move on from trauma mm. is disingenuous. Do not yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. We have over and over and said we acknowledge our trauma was less mm-hmm. than all of these other people. Mm-hmm. We know that. But at the time, that was what we knew, and mm-hmm. that was our trauma. Mm-hmm. And you should not tell someone to just move on. Mm-hmm. And and even if and if you think that to yourself, right, it's just right. not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I've gone to therapy. Mm-hmm. I've gone to therapy. I'm a very Self-aware person. The therapist mm-hmm. ends up sitting there just like, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Yikes is what and, I heard. And I'll be yeah. like, I did this, this, and this. And I think it was because of this, this, and this. And like, I agree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, but it's always good to, to voice it and mm-hmm. to get it out there to a, 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 a neutral party. A professional. As it were, a professional. If, if you will. Yeah. And, and so please, please never say get it on. Just go get over it. Just don't say that. Just realize that everybody's experience is different. And in this particular cult, we weren't. All thousands of us gathered up in yeah. one compound, mm-hmm. all experiencing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like that at right. all. That Christian fundamentalism to the extreme mm-hmm. is spread all over the country. All over the world. All mm-hmm. over the world. Mm-hmm. And it and it has infinite varying degrees. Right. Everybody, everybody's little church, little whatever is interpreting every little thing in their specific way. Right. Most of it is not good. And I think I think the the point that you made, the the most important aspect of this is, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, people people can say, you know, why don't you just get over it? And a lot of times you can brush that off. You know, what you can't brush off is is, is that internalized feeling, that little voice in the back of your own head telling you, why can't you just get over it? It's not our fault. That's right. We did not have a choice. Correct. We were young. Mm-hmm. Our parents thought they were doing what was right. Yeah, that's it. And, and I'm. If you want to reach out to me on on Instagram, I think I'm. I'm like I don't post that much. I think I'm Photo Bryce. Yeah. I think that's what I am. Um, if so just reach out. If some if somehow you're watching this and you're you know under the age of eighteen and you feel like you're going through stuff, find whatever relative your parents talk the most <laughs> crap about. The one they judge the most. The one they judge the most. <laughs> the one that has the most fun on vacations. Yeah. Reach out to that relative. Right. They will most likely be the most understanding. Sane individual, potentially. Right. Potentially. Like it's like the cousin. Like the Duggar's cousin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was, was like it Anna? I, I don't remember, but you know, she was just like, Yeah, going over to my uncle's house was kind of crazy. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I, I mean don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to get help. Um, there, there's no shame in that. Absolutely. Uh, but don't be too hard on yourself either. Um, you, you know, unwinding from some of this stuff is a lifelong process. I, I mean, my, my buddy that texted me, 
this was a statement that was made to him when he was nine years old that he held on to through war, through almost getting through getting blown up and almost dying. What was the thing that in was war? told to you when you were nine that you still remember? Boy, I don't remember anything from exactly. when I was nine. Right? Yeah, exactly. Seared into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing about the relatives, I, I I don't have the best relationship with my parents, and I hate that. Um, it, but it's not. It, it was their choice to mm-hmm. a degree. Uh, you know, we we all grow up families, everything, family, 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 right? Family, yeah. big deal. Turns out, no. Turns out. Got their God and faith are above family, their version of faith. And I, I'm incredibly grateful that my uncle and aunt, they, they didn't know. They knew that some weird stuff and yeah. there were some things and, and they, and then they were like, okay, you know, and, and I, and it's, they, they've stepped up and, and, yeah. and, and I'm reconnecting with my extended family mm. and it's been great. That's awesome. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah. I still miss my parents, but it is what it is. And yeah. I still help them, but it's not the same. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and that's another that's another piece of the experience that can dramatically differ for everyone. Um, you know, I've got a, a great relationship with, with my parents, with my whole family. Um, Bryce doesn't have that luxury uh, because they are still stuck in this mentality that is so damaging, so painful, um, you know. So, um, like, like we said, feel free to reach out to myself, to Bryce. Comment on YouTube. We'll find you. Go to Recovering Grace if you need help. There's there's help out there. There's a community of people out there um, that are ready and willing to support. Um, thank you for watching this podcast series. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, you guys, the support that you've shown, the love that you've shown has, has just been incredible, inspiring. Um, so, so thank you for that. Um, and hopefully we'll see you in Austin. Love you.